publishing a book is a victory, but it's not the end. After you sweep up the confetti and wash the champagne flutes, what's next? Authoring Onward is the podcast about those steps after your first publication. Going from published author to having a long-term writing career. And that has no clear endpoint and plenty of ups and downs. But telling stories for the long-term is so, so worth it. Sit back, listen, and together, let's author Onward. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Authoring Onward. I'm one of your hosts, Connie B. Dowell. Um, and our other host, Joy E. Held, was not able to join us for this coming up interview. So I know it's been a while. We're kind of winding the podcast down. Joy and I have both had um, new developments in our careers and new projects coming up. And it's just time to eliminate something from our to-do list. And this podcast has had a wonderful run. It's been four years, the last year of it with Joy on the podcast, um, and it's just been lots of great fun. Um, so we've got this interview for you today, possibly uh, a couple other things coming up and definitely a farewell episode planned before we say goodbye for now. And maybe we'll pick it back up at some point in the future. I really hope this podcast has been as helpful to you all listening as it has to me producing the show. All right, so a little bit about the interview coming up today. Um, I talked with author Emily John Tobias about a lot of different things, about her winding path to publication, resilience as a writer, and about gesture and the power of gesture in your writing. So I hope you guys enjoy and learn. I certainly learned a lot from this interview. Have a listen. Well, today on the podcast, I am talking with Emily John Tobias. Um, welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much for having me, Connie. It's so good to have you here. Um, so would you like to give our listeners a little introduction to who you are and what you write? Absolutely. Thank you so much. My name is Emily John Tobias. Uh, I am primarily a fiction author. Um, I have a debut story collection coming out on May 17th, 2024 by Black Lawrence Press. It's titled Monarch. Um, my stories in Monarch and, and others have been um, published in various literary journals. And um, I, I hold an MFA in writing from Pacific University, Oregon. And I live on the coast of Southern California where I am currently working on my debut novel. Yeah, so it sounds exciting. Um, so you've had uh, a lot of kinds of um, an up and down journey, but just to kind of like start at the beginning, um, did you, do you always know you wanted to be a writer or is this something that you came to a little later on? Yeah, thanks for asking. I have been writing since as one of my earliest memories. So, um, I started writing poetry at a very, very young age. And I had, um, as we all have had, I'm certain, um, you know, it's difficult growing up, right? So I had sort of a, a lonely, traumatic childhood. And I would write poetry to sort of keep myself safe, I think. And I was an only child, so I, 
I created all these characters in my mind that were really, you know, imaginary friends that I sort of carried with me. Um, and that's, that's where it started. So yes, I've been writing my entire life. Um, and did I always know I wanted to be a writer? No, <laughs> I did not always know I wanted to pursue writing as, as a career. Uh, that has only happened in really since in the last, you know, about eight or so years. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I finished my bachelor's in under, uh, my undergrad in writing and then decided to pursue a master's in writing. And, um, and just to be very frank, it all, all of this coincided with my choice to enter um, a life of recovery, which has, and I say this because it informs my work. Uh, most of my stories, all of my um, poetry and my novel that will be, you know, forthcoming, all really deals with um, with characters that often, you know, have substance abuse problems, and then all of the um, issues that come along with that. And then, you know, I'm proud to share that with with my readers and you. And um, so my choice to actually pursue the craft and art really only came after that point in my life, which was about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And it's something that um, I see a lot with folks who maybe decide to become a writer later that they have some sort of a, a passion, something that's happened to them or affected them very personally that really makes them want to tell stories. Yeah, that's that's cool that you've seen that thread. I guess I've never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. Um, there's a deep um, crafting, crafting fiction, um, poetic endeavors are just a very deep process. I think for me, certainly, and um, really takes a commitment to sort of unearthing the subconscious, the emotional body. Uh, for me, that is one definitely true. Um, and I think for most writers, you know, who are ready to go go to the lengths um, to create resonant work, uh, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Would you like to talk a little bit maybe about your journey toward publication? Because um, everybody's um, route to publication is a little different and sometimes they're less straightforward than others. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah, my journey has been uh, really interesting in, in publishing. Um, when I, I wrote this collection, about 90% of it was written within the two, two and a half years of my MFA program. Um, although I did pull some, some pieces of the work, you know, from past, past um, bodies of work. But uh, so when I, when I was in grad school, I had no intention of publishing anything. I mean, that was the farthest thing from my mind. I really just wanted to, um, engulf myself in the community of the literary world and um, 
and learn how to write, you know, write better stories. <laughs> but so I, I had no intention of publishing, but uh, I, I was really fortunate to have some amazing mentors. And um, I studied with Chris Avani for a year, which really changed a lot in terms of structuring the collection. We realized we had a collection. So, um, so I started publishing single stories and, um, and then it became clear that I would need to look to hunt for the right press. Um, I, I am unagented at this point, which is a very tricky deal in, in, um, in our world. Uh, it is easier, I'd say, and uh, to have an agent, um, but I don't have one. And so I went the small press publishing route and um, it took me a year and a half to find the right press for the book. Uh, I, I had multiple offers, you know, from, di from different small presses and, but it was really important to me to find the right fit because the work Monarch, the, the stories need the right home. Uh, the work is risky and it's, it um, can be, it deals with difficult, some difficult social justice issues. And um, so I knew that it really needed to be cared for. And also I needed it to be cared for as, as an author. Um, I think that's something we don't talk about a lot is uh, the relationship between, or I guess it was important to me to have a relationship with the community of people surrounding the press I chose. And that took a long time to find. And so, and then I, I did find it. Um, I found Nomadic Press out of Oakland. Uh, They're an incredible press that was doing phenomenal work in the Bay Area. Um, it was just a perfect fit. And we were moving along. Um, and mid-production, short of a cover, really, for the book, Nomadic's <clears throat> funding got, <clears throat> uh, got denied, and they had to close, which was just a huge heartbreaker for the community and for us as authors, but really for, for the community. And so but some, some really beautiful things happened from that. Um, we, first of all, we gathered, we celebrated Nomadic, we had a closing gathering. We, something happens to community when there's a risk of it uh, falling apart. <laughs> so, um, so we did, an, and, I, and I had met my editor through that process also. So she and I really became, became very close. And, um, so needless to say, that it was a scramble to then I find a new publisher, right? <laughs> so because I had um, a little mini book tour scheduled already, and I had, you know, so much of the pre-promotional, pre pre-publication um, aspects covered, and a lot of um, I, I was fortunate enough to get some really wonderful early praise for the book. Uh, which is on my website, you know, these things are starting to sort of get, you know, take momentum and then no publish. So, um, 
you know, and I, what I, I guess what I'd like to say is it was a really emotionally difficult challenge as an author and also for the press. And I really actually needed some time to like grieve it. I, and I, I guess I just wanted to say that because I, we, we're tough cookies in this business, but we're also artists. So, you know, I, I think, um, it's important to talk about nurturing our spirits and emotional um, processes when we're going through things like rejection and having to fight for our voices. Uh, it was interesting to see how much it affected me losing this sort of family that I thought that I had just found. And so, um, I got through that. We did, you know, get through it. And I did end up finding another uh, wonderful press, Black Lawrence Press, um, who actually migrated Nomadics authors uh, to them. So the any books that were out of print, that were mm -hmm. going to be out of print because Nomadic closed, are now going to be in print by Black Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, I'm fortunate, too, because my book didn't quite want, didn't, it was mid-production, so we will go forward um, to produce the book together. So it's been a really wonderful, hard process, you know, and um, pretty unique in, the, in, in, in how I've experienced it, I'd say. Yeah, so I'm that is a real roller coaster of a ride um yeah. but i think it is it is really helpful for folks to hear um stories like this because um when you first investigate different publishing paths um i think there's a temptation to oversimplify or to get a really i mean and you kind of have to at first to learn how the process works to get a very simplified narrative of how it goes um but it's good to know that it doesn't always go like that. And I'd probably say most of the time it doesn't go in this wonderful linear plan that there are um, unexpected things that pop up even if you uh, you know sign you know, sign with an agent, get a book deal, and things go on paper according to plan. There's probably a lot behind the scenes that you don't see. Uh, and that can be kind of shocking for folks. Um, folks especially who and maybe a good you know a good thing to know for folks on the outside who maybe are are unpublished or who haven't pursued traditional publishing it can look like that is the that is the stable easy road but it's not necessarily the case yes it's really true i'm actually teaching a workshop through blue stoop um, an organization called blue stoop out of philly um I, i'm teaching a workshop about uh debut uh, small press publishing with a debut mm -hmm. it's at the end of this month uh, just for anybody that might be interested where we'll talk about all of this um, real specifically and some tips and tricks that I've learned because what happened is I I learned I had to learn all of this mm -hmm. as I was going right I mean nobody no, nobody taught me how to do it, how to, yeah. how to write how to do this how to pursue so um yeah so i threw a lot of failures and sort of missteps and then um revisiting and revamping and then you know regenerate all the 
all this whole cycle of of things, I um I I've learned quite a bit about navigating that world in the last couple of years. And and the truth is, is as much as having an agent could help, I wouldn't know anything that I know today had it gone that route. So it's a valuable. Um, I think I think the knowledge about it for all of us is certainly a valuable asset in terms of you know advocating for our for our work. Um, and really being able to take ownership of how we navigate the business aspect of, of this, of what we do as artists. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, so for example, you know, I did this reading in LA last night and there were four of us there and we all have had this similar journey through small press publishing. And when you get us together, it's like we're immediately connected, you know, through that process. Um, so not only through the art and through the work, but also in business. And that's a really, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really brings us together in community. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wonderful. So we will link to that. Um, if you've Great. got any links to that workshop, I'll put that in the show notes of this episode. Um, because yeah, these are really helpful to hear these different kinds of stories. Um, because yeah, every journey to publication is a little different. And this industry can sometimes be very quite opaque about how it actually works. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, we don't. That's a great way to put it. Um, we don't know how it works. <laughs> and um, it's very rare that we're taught how it works. And that's okay, um, but it's it, again like what what I see it as is it's hard enough to write the work. Mm -hmm. It's a real bearing of the soul to be a writer, and when we have this, you know, very opaque <laughs> business to, you know, try and muddle through it can be exhausting and emotionally, you know? So I think it's really cool to be able to talk about it, uh, to come together and talk about it. And there's some wonderful resources that I found to do that, but um, only by accident. So my hope is to, sell, you know, to give that, to share that. <laughs> That's great, to share that in a more explicit yeah. way so that everyone doesn't have to learn by experience alone. <laughs> Or struggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. Um, now maybe to, to veer into some um, craft talk. I know one of one of the, the areas of craft that you are passionate about talking about was um, the use of gesture. Yeah. Um, which sounds really fascinating. Um, and it's something I actually hadn't given tons of thought to you. So I would just love to hear um, a little bit of what you have to say on that. Yeah, sure. I would love to talk about that. Uh, so let's say that our stories, our narratives are, are driven by characters, mm -hmm. which in my opinion, all are. But let's just imagine that that is the case. Um, and so, you know, it's our job as, 
as writers to dig into the depth of the psychology of the character. So when we do so, we find things um, like woundedness at the root of the character. And when we find the woundedness, we find the mental and emotional process that goes along with that woundedness. So for example, if there's a character that we're dealing with that has been abandoned and has a this core wound of being left, being abandoned, this character will think, feel, and because of that, act in a certain way. When we figure, when we when we discover this in our characters, we know the narrative, right? But the character has to tell us that. So the character has to tell us what they're gonna do based on what we discover in their deep set of emotional wounding. So now symptomatic of that at the very surface are gestures, right? how we hold our bodies. And that those are signposts to those very deep core wounded parts of us. So for example, uh, let's say we have two characters having a conversation at a dinner table. And one of them says to the other, this relationship is over. You know, I, don't, I don't love you anymore. And the other character who's receiving that already has a deep fear of abandonment. So rather than <clears throat> what do they do or what do they say, what do they do with their body. That's so every emotion is tied to a gesture. And in fiction writing, it really is that mathematical. Like when we when we have an emotion to show, there's a gesture to show it. So it's using the body as landscape. So what do they do? Well, if they're hiding their fear of abandonment, they would just do that whatever. But underneath that is this whole set of fears, right? They would wave their hand and just brush it off. But what's underneath that is this deep set of fear. So we use this, you know, small, let's say, brush of the hand gesture to then uncover what's really going on underneath because it's the what's unsaid that we're really interested in, right? I mean, we don't, we don't, it's always what's between the lines that we're most fascinated by, what we withhold, what we don't say. And all of that gets, gesture is the key to show the reader what that is without saying it. Uh, so it, it, gesture is probably, I, I would say um, body language, the, the the body as a landscape for showing our characters, for um, exposing our characters is the key. And it's very, very easy to use. 
in in right as as a as a tool um, in in writing fiction. We I think it gets forgotten a lot, um, and it's 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 very easy to use. So I'm an editor, right, and I work with people one on one, and it's it's so amazing to me to see just that one tip, like. They feel this, okay, but what do you? How, what do they? What does this character do on their body? What do we do in our on our bodies in these states of emotion, right? And then when we when we can show that to the reader, and this is like these can be like really light brush strokes, very light handed, one word, one line, one beat to show landscape as body, you know, body as landscape. Yeah. Uh, so this is a great listen for anybody who has maybe gotten feedback on their writing that they need to show rather than tell emotions um, instead of like constantly naming the emotion. This is what you you're doing. You, you um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I like to to um, if nobody is around, get up and like move around like my characters would do. Is that something that you do as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I think I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think I mean, as I said before, it's it's such a it's such a beautiful process because if I what I tell people um, that I work with is go to a restaurant and be the voyeur, be an eavesdropper. Mm -hmm. So sit in a corner booth, pick you know pick a and like spy, <laughs> you know? and um, all jokes aside, just sit quietly and watch how people talk to women. Just you know, as writers, we're observers. I mean, we—that's why we, you know, ninety-five percent of what we do is not writing on the page. It's it's being in the world and observing and watching and and moving, moving our own bodies, right? So like, moving energy through. So that we can become the, the vessel of the observation and then the writing on the page is just such a um it's only one part of what what we do and um i think you know we've been told that we're introverted people we are not we can be we but but that's not the rule and um and we certainly enter into the world and should and should so i tell people you know go watch how people communicate with each other but then like, don't listen to what they say. What, what is she doing? What are they doing with their bodies? It's incredible, right? We could write an entire story with no, like, let's not, let's go, let's try and not do dialogue so much and see what else is there. Mm -hmm. So, um, because what we say to one another is very rarely what we mean. So I'm interested in, what's underneath what's said. And body language does that. And it's just these little, you know, very, I mean, some of the, the mastery over this is just so light-handed. It's just very light-handed. Just one word, one image, one line, one beat can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I love this it's permission to eavesdrop, but you can now eavesdrop on people you cannot hear. Yeah, that's because right. Because you are you are just people watching. Yeah, yeah. fill in yeah. the blanks. 
And no, you know, you can, you can, this is really a great exercise actually. I mean, I, I, I joke, but it's, it actually is, you know, spend an afternoon in a coffee shop alone, you know, bring something to read and just observe. And um, thank you, Claire Davis, my old mentor, because she, she helped me with that one. Um, yeah, to, to um, just observe the world, you know, how people, yeah. how people deal with one another um, without hearing them. Um, and that's just, of course, one tiny bit of what we're talking about. Yeah, this might also be a great exercise, especially um, for neurodivergent writers to do with a friend to compare, um, because just as a side, neurodivergent interpretations of expressions and expressions themselves are different than neurotypical ones. Um, and so your interpretation may be different than your friends. Yeah, well, of course. But I mean, isn't that, that's, yeah, that's what we're, what we're doing, right, is exploring different perspectives and different interpretation, how we, um, I mean, what we do as writers is explore perspective and point mm -hmm. of view, which is, by the way, another one of my, like, most fascinating <laughs> aspects of crap, but it all, it all combines. <laughs> Yeah, this is some some great um, exercises, um, especially um, if you're you know wanting to get deeper into these expressions. If even if you're just like, oh man, I need a little break, but I don't want to stop writing. So a lot of times when you hit yeah. that that wall, um, this is something to do creatively um, that actually gives you mind a little bit of a mental break in what you're doing, but you're yeah. still writing so it's a great um tip uh, yeah grace kelly the amazing author once said and i this isn't going to be um completely accurate but it's something like 98 percent of my writing is done in the bathtub <laughs> okay because yeah we so we we really we need to enter the world mm -hmm. as scary as it is for us um beautiful sensitive souls like we need to enter into the world talk to people share our voices and observe Absolutely. and move and dance and sing mm -hmm. perform do yoga like all of these things that contribute to writing there's a whole bunch of research about that like movement and writing you know um because we don't have the luxury of warming up Right. So so we as writers, as artists, don't have warm up exercises. We don't use our body to create. We have our minds and this deep imagining. So we ha really need to give ourselves the grace to nurture that and to balance out the energy with body, body movement, voice activation, um, other mental activities heart-centered stuff to balance out the mind. All of that is really important. And I say this only because I have experience because writing my question was like, um, so difficult. One of the most difficult things I've ever done beyond um, sobriety and recovery. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and part of the reason for that is because my 
my heart would take over. My mind was exhausted. I wasn't getting enough movement. Um, I was obsessed about doing it right. All of these things caused a lot of angst and struggle. And so I learned, I learned some things through that. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, Emily, this has been a really kind of great chat this afternoon. Um, and I like to, to kind of end these with um, what would be, you know, parting words of advice that you'd like to give to listeners? What I would like to say is um, as writers, let's open our hearts together. Let's breathe and feel freer to create outside of the boxes that we contain ourselves in. Let's be courageous to come together in community and read work. And let's be really, really kind to ourselves and to one another um, and in the writing process. So wonderful parting, parting words. Um, <laughs> And finally, where can folks find you and your work online? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my website is emilyjohntobias.com. Uh, there are excerpts of my work, uh, early praise for Monarch there, uh, my events calendar. Also, I do very little social media, not a huge fan, but I am on Instagram at emilyjohntobias.com. And I will certainly provide uh, the blue stoop organization is going to be wonderful for that workshop. They are at bluestoop.org. And for your listeners, there are many classes they offer. Incredible classes by other up and coming authors. So there, that's a really nice place to check out also. And my workshop is there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be putting um, some links in the show notes so y'all can go and check out all of this stuff. So um, thank you again for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Connie. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for listening to the Authoring Onward podcast. I hope you have enjoyed the show with Emily. And if you want to learn more about everything she does, I've got a link to her website in the show notes of this episode. We're a little bit too late for that one class that she mentioned, but um, if you explore her website, you will find a lot of other great resources to go out there and learn more. Um, also got a link in the show notes if you would like to learn more about Joy's book coaching and editorial services. All right, there'll be at least one more episode coming up, um, although we are a little bit sporadic in our release schedule right now um, as our new projects have begun picking up. But this is not farewell, at least one more episode coming up. Until next time, happy writing, everyone.